testing. One, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that was good. Hey, it's Lisa, also known as Mrs. Mad Money Monster, and I am back for another episode with Mr. Mad Money Monster on the Mad Money Monster Show. Yay. You do that every time. I know. No, you usually do the yay. (laughs) But it's much more enthusiastic than yours. Yes. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about the different flavors of fire, second generation fire, and the importance of parental role models. Can Can I say something? Please do. I am not a finance guy. <laughs> and I think, I think how many episodes into these podcasts now, probably the audience has figured that out. And what I think is great about what you do and what I've watched as your husband, if I may, I'm paying you yes, a compliment. Yes, please, here. please. Yes. And that is you have overcome so many things long before I came into the picture and learned from your mistakes and have pushed forward in, in stability with finance and been a role model to me Aww. is what I would say. And I'm saying Thank that, so I'm being serious here. I really mean that because I didn't have a lot of example growing up for other than we've talked about in previous episodes. My mother was, I guess, borderline frugal and, and a little austere. And dead averse. And, and dead averse, yeah. which is great. But other than that, which we can go into again in more yeah. depth later, I've I've listened to your stories, I've I've watched you, and especially what we're doing now and the purchase of a new home and things like that, that you practice what you preach and you apply what you've learned from both the positive and the negative. And I think that's important. So people listening know that we're we're not just cherry picking information to give them but we're we're being very real here and that's also why i married you (laughs) because you're very real well thank you so for finance end of things anybody listening this as you're driving or whatever i don't like listening to other people tell me how stupid i am with money (laughs) or the mistakes i've made or i'm never going to be worth anything but that's not what they're saying that's what you're hearing that's what i'm hearing yeah you're talking about other influencers in the in the personal finance space who say well we don't really have any mistakes we don't really you know i I did this the right way i did that the right way and you're taking that as well you did it all wrong right (laughs) but that's not what and i did do it all wrong (laughs) see that's the other thing but you know what there are a lot of people listening right now who are in are in the same boat who feel like they've done it all wrong too and feel like they're behind the eight ball and they can't possibly get ahead or, you know, subscribe to the fire movement or retire early or even retire at a normal age with a chunk of change, you know, behind them. So, you know what, since you're not a finance guy, right? why don't we go over, just generally speaking, the different, the different flavors of fire, varieties of fire, right? So the regular fire movement, uh, usually is somebody who's saving probably around a million dollars. So how about we go into the different flavors of fire? What do you think about that? I guess I don't have much of a choice. This is true. So fire, I probably don't need to tell any of our audience what fire stands for, but I'm going to anyway, just a quick recap. Just right? pretend they're all me. Yeah. <laughs> 
FIRE is an acronym, stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. So retire early is obviously, uh, you know, a fluid term. What what retire early means to you is different for somebody else, right? Sure. Um, it could be 30 in, the, in your 30s for somebody. It could be in your 50s for somebody else. So the premise of FIRE is to save an extremely high amount of your income, 50% or more typically, to achieve at least 25 times your annual expenses. Uh, And then you can pull the trigger, you can leave your traditional work behind and you can live off those savings, pulling out, you know, 3% to 4%, depending on how conservative you want to be and how big your nest egg is, uh, to live on, you know, for the rest of your life, in essence. So there are different flavors, one being the regular fire, Typically, somebody is planning on living on 40000 So is this vanilla fire? Yes, this is vanilla, vanilla fire. Vanilla fire? Okay. This is just fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the average is you plan on living on about 40000 a year. And if your house is paid off, that, that stretches a lot. A lot okay, harder, now let right? me just ask this. Because mm-hmm. does that mean, like when you just said, if your house is paid off, is this vanilla fire flavor predicated upon the fact that you should have your house paid off? Ah, uh, it certainly would help. It's no, it's not predicated on okay. that. No. So if if your house is not paid off, maybe you want to plan on, you know, having more than a million dollars. So if, if you're going by the 4% rule, 40,000 a year, you're starting with a million dollars nest egg, right? Okay. Just vanilla. Just it's just broad broad strokes we're talking here, right? So then there's also something called the lean fire or barista fire where you save less than a million dollars and this might be somebody who's really really unhappy in their cubicle, you know, corporate cubicle and they just want to pull the trigger early but they're going to supplement it with a side hustle or they're going to go be a barista or they're going you know so they they've scaled back their lifestyle enough but you're not really retired. Well, yes. Yeah, so, you know, that's also a, a point of interpretation for a lot of people. You know, okay. a lot a lot of times the fire adherence sometimes... You're retired from what is causing you pain in the job you don't like. Generally traditional work. Yes. Okay. Yes. So a lot of times the fire adherence will go ahead and pick up a side hustle. They'll, you know, start an entrepreneurial venture. Uh, they'll do a second job. And we talked... In the last episode, the difference between a side hustle and a second job. So if you're interested, you can go back and listen to that. So that's the strawberry fire. Yes. (laughs) And then uh, let's get to the chocolate fire. Well, there's fat fire. So these are people. Actually, this is kind of where you and I fall into. Now, granted, we did stop chasing early retirement as part of our overall financial strategy that we talked about in episode three. So we did that in exchange for a happier life now. And mm-hmm. later, not just later. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But so the fat fire people are the people that are that are not willing to live on forty thousand a year. They want a hundred thousand or more a year, and in order to do that, they are saving at least two million, a nest egg of at least two million, two and a half million, and up before they pull the plug. Now, granted, these people oftentimes are. The physicians are, you know, investment Engineers, bankers, you know, people right. that really are high income earners. So, sure. so those are the different flavors of fire. And then on the heels of that, we now have what people are starting to talk about as second generation fire. Whereas we have people teaching these fundamentals of fire to their children. So fundamentals being you're saving that high savings rate, 50% or more 
some people reach 70% or more, you know, mm-hmm. based on their incomes, based on their, you know, level of frugality and the combination thereof. Uh, so they're, those, they're teaching their children, and the children are picking up on these habits early. So it's something called Second Generation Fire, and I believe I heard it first on the Choose FI podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure that's that's where that came from. Okay. Uh, and it's a pretty fascinating term, and I would say you and I fall into that category with our daughter, so we're teaching her those fundamentals. Hopefully they're sticking. Sometimes, you know, she's 10, so it's tough to yeah, tell. Yeah, we're, we're teaching her not to grow up broke. <laughs> But she still wants to spend every dollar she has. Yes. <laughs> so it, burns, that, it burns a hole right in her that, pocket. That really does concern me, but hopefully it's sinking in. She doesn't like to spend her money. So if she has the option to spend somebody else's money, she will definitely do that over spending her money. So if I can interject on Please something. Please do, yes. Okay. So for someone like me that is outside this fire community and, and finance community and Again, you always say, like, the people listening, they should know. They should know about this. Well, not should know. They probably do. They probably do. Right. I I do not. Yeah. Okay. So. But you're Mr. Mad Money Monster. I know. But I'm learning. Yes. I'm Mr. Mad Money Monster with training wheels. Yes. Is what I am. So my question is, from a historical context, from the end of World War II on, we've been told we can have it all. And it's immediate gratification. I want this. I can go buy it. If I don't have the money, I can get it on credit. It's the American dream. Right. The yeah. American dream. However, that construct is flimsy. So it seems like the fire movement or even with this second generational fire movement. Mm-hmm. And that is somehow, it seems to me, applying the brakes to this type of thinking that has dominated the American landscape for the last I don't know, 100 years, 60 to 100 years. Oh, definitely, definitely. There, It's definitely a move uh, away from uh, consumerism. Right. So yeah. would you say it's classified as, as a move toward truly living within your means? Yes, living well below your means, I would say. And, okay. And really figuring out what brings you happiness. So that doesn't yeah, necessarily mean... Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. The, right. The... The brand new car or the latest eye trend. Or the giant house or right, or the latest eye trend yes. or... But, exactly. But where the, where the lines are blurred, a lot of people listening, I'm sure, grew up with that American dream of the, of the latest car I and mean, the I, latest... I, okay, so I'm really curious. Sure. Anybody listening, I would love if you emailed to the blog... And email Mad Money Monster. The Mad Money Monster at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> the Mad Money Monster at gmail.com. And tell us, what do you think the American dream is? What is, is your American right, dream? Right. What is yeah. your American dream? What did you grow up with? What were you told was the American dream? Whether your teacher told you, whether your mother told you, your father, whatever it was, or what television tells us what the American oh, dream sure. is. Oh, sure. Media. Of course, media influences us, right? Right. Yes. Uh, well, especially television. Yes. Television changed the entire way we think. Yes. Over the last, you know, 60, 70 years. Yes. So I would love to know that. And I'm not saying it just, you know, to be patronizing. I want to know. Well, what's your American dream? You know, my American dream. Wow. That's the. Here it is. My, my dream. What did you grow up thinking was the American dream? I grew up thinking the American dream was having a nice home, uh, having good clothes and having money in the bank. That's what I was told the American dream was. Nice car? 
Uh, a nice car, have a decent car, yes. Yeah. I was never a car guy. Yeah. So it, it never mattered to me. I always wanted a nice car, like a decent car, but I didn't have to have a Trans Am or a Camaro. And that's fine for those who want that. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, it was pursuing what I wanted to do ever since I was a child and finding a way to earn a comfortable living doing it so I don't live in squalor and I'm, I die broke or you know, living on charity and not able to pay medical bills for when I inevitably fall ill. <laughs> so for me, the American dream was pursuing my personal dream and having the resources to do that. That, I think, is a succinct answer to your question. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you and I... We're both Gen Xers, so we kind of have the same... We grew up roughly around the same time, right? So we kind of have the same American dream. Yes. Right? Yeah. Nice. I wanted the nice, big, suburban home. <laughs> right. See, I did not, um, but I get it. But you still wanted a nice home. I want. You know what my dream is, is to have that cabin up well, on top yeah, of a mountain on 500 that. acres. That's your dream now. I don't know if it was your dream when you were 20. It was pretty much my dream okay. when I was 20. <laughs> but you also grew up in the Poconos, so... Yes, and I don't like people. <laughs> Well, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Except for our listeners. They're right. great. We love our listeners. <laughs> you guys are great. Right. And you know what? They may be thinking, well, that's fine. We don't like you either. <laughs> but we're listening. So we're all driving down the road together on this yes. podcast, and we all don't like each other. <laughs> okay. So my American dream, of course, big big suburban house, big, big impressive suburban house, sure. right? Like you said, lots of money in the bank, the nice new car, um, just the standard, you know, the nice clothes, just the picture perfect Stepford Wives kind of scenario, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my American dream. The, the thing is, where do we get that all from? Is that it, certainly I, I didn't get a lot of that from my mom. And you certainly did not get a lot of it from your mom. We had very little coaching, I think it's safe to say, with our parents on finances. I don't know about that. So, no, you're wrong about that. Okay. We had a lot of coaching about finances. It might not have been the right coaching. Oh, fair enough. Or maybe not coaching, but modeling. Yeah. Of course, you know, the media and television and all that. Yes, that that too, that reinforced it. But our parents were our biggest influencers. So let's bring it back then to this second generational... Yes, second generation fire. Fire. Yes. fire. So where is that going? What does it mean to people listening right now? Well, it means that if you're a fire adherent right now, if you are chasing financial independence and then uh, an early retirement, they're teaching that... They're modeling that for their children, and they're also actively teaching them the fundamentals so they're not ready to drop all their money down on that brand new car when they get their first job out of college, right? They're not going to sign up for that credit card when they hit the campus and start charging you know, pizzas and beer every night and not be able to pay it back. Yes. So they know the pitfalls of finance of the financial world and they know how to avoid them and stay on the right track from early on, which is incredible when it comes to um, uh, compounded interest and and things like that and building wealth in the long term. So really, a lot of this, it, you know what this reminds me of? Tell me. It reminds me of, and this is my perspective, not reflective of Mad Money Monster blog or anything like that. This draws a parallel to me of like all these books on fad diets for as as long as I've 
Rick can remember as a kid growing up, there was this book on how to diet, and then there's this way to diet, and then there's this new way, and this new way, and then there's the all-liquid diet, and the Atkins diet, and we go on and on and on, and yet, we're all still fat. <laughs> like, the country is still for fat. Yourself. I'm not saying no, you, I'm honey. Kidding. Of course not. Of course not. But you know what I'm saying? Well, that we still have, we still have a fat problem, we still have a weight <laughs> problem, that obviously we need to be publishing all these books because we have a problem. So, the FIRE movement, we have all these different we have all these different retirement plans and and new ways of doing things. Fat and fire, what, lean fire. Right. Like, different color flavor fires. Fire. We have chocolate fire, <laughs> vanilla fires, strawberry fire. No, you fat can't. Fire. Okay. You can't. Con- are, you're comparing the fire movement to a fad? No, no. A I'm not saying diet? a fad. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm not drawing it to a fad. But what I'm saying is we have all these different things, which really it comes down to. Let's break down the diet movement for a moment. And that simply is... Eat right, exercise, cut your sugar, cut your alcohol intake, don't smoke, and again, come back to exercise and take care of your body. That's really it. So with the finance movement, to me, as somebody on the outside of this and just starting to come into the realm, it's like, why wouldn't you want to be financially independent? Why would you want to be beholden to credit cards and banks and 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 constantly in perpetual paying and, this one and paying and that one. And who wouldn't want to retire early from their from their traditional job or right you know, to enjoy travel and, or, and do yeah. all the things that people retire. Yeah, who people wouldn't do. want that? Right. So, so let's go back to to yours right now. Sure. Since you're Mrs. Mad Money Monster <laughs> and you started this whole thing in yes, the first place. Yes, I did. Let's go back. Let's go back. Describe a little the time and era. Of when your mother grew up as a little girl first. Because anybody listening right now, we all make the choices we do based upon the influences of what we saw growing up. And sometimes our lives are spent fighting those influences. Absolutely, yeah. Okay? Yeah. We don't succumb to all of them, but they're with us all the time. Mm-hmm. So let's go back a little bit to your mom. Okay. Okay? And your father. Okay. And what they experienced. Your father grew up in a very different time. <laughs> And, and how this is going to eventually go, people are sitting there going, oh my God, we're going to hear this story. No, what, what it is, is everything that happened before you came along has influenced you up to now. Yes. Okay? Yes, yes. It's so, generational. So let's just start this. This is the meat of really this podcast. Sure. And we're going to be continuing this into other ones. Of course. Yeah. But let's hear it. So... My mom was born in 1945, right? The end of World War II. Right. She was born to a single mother, my grandmother, also known as Grammel, for our listeners. You've never heard that before. <laughs> Grammel. Grammel. Not grandma. Grammel. Grammel. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yes. Uh, Grammel was one of, I believe, seven kids. Um, so my mom grew up in an extended household. So mm-hmm. she was the grandchild the only grandchild in that household. So there were the the parents, the seven children, and then she was the child of one of those, one of the children. Right. Right. So obviously attention is stretched thin. Yeah. My grandmother did not, I mean, she was young, right? She was young when she had her single parent, um, didn't have, I mean, depended on her parents to raise my mother, really. Uh, young, running around with, whoever right so much so she was a party girl party girl my mom still to this day doesn't know who her father is okay yeah yeah (laughs) so there's that truth bomb (laughs) 
That's a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, so, you know, Graham will never... Look, you're having a child that young in 1945... There were it was it was more of an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle today, yes, but so much more then, right? It's an uphill battle pushing a boulder. Yes. So with that uh, with that groundwork, my mom saw different, you know, uncles, you know, come in and out. Uncles wink, wink. uncles come in and out of her life, some. Some not so nice, some very nice, you know, some a little abusive, so, you know, right. so that's so, sort so of So your cycle. mother, your mother grew up with instability and, and most of all, kind of invisible. Oh yeah, she really had to fight. It, it's funny, she really had to fight to get any attention. I mean, the grandparents absolutely adored her, right? The children adored her, but still, with that many people, you're kind of lost in the shuffle, right? And especially if you're a little, little child, a little yes. child, you know, you're... You're even harder to be seen. It's even so. When your mom talks about her childhood, what is the number one thing your mother constantly references and describes her childhood as? Well, she talks about her nan and pap because those were the people, right? The main, basically, her models, right? They worked hard, um, but she also talks about being sick a lot because there it, there it is. And and again, till this day, my mother is a major hypochondriac, as you know. Uh, Whenever she was sick, she got the attention. Yes. Right? So, yeah. And her mother paid attention to her when she was sick. Yes, yes. And interestingly enough, it seemed like Grandma almost wanted her to be sick. So kind of, again, I wasn't there, but, you know, I, I know that she took her to the doctors all the time. She would say, we're taking the day off. You're taking the day off of school. We're going to go have Chinese food. She would put a Band-Aid on her arm, say, tell, tell your teacher you got a shot. Your grandmother tells your mother, we're taking the day off, going to get a Band-Aid on your arm, tell them the doctors gave you a shot so we can go get Chinese food. She spent money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my grandma. Look, my grandmother was a child. She was spending any money. She would clean houses. That's where I was just going to ask. Where did she get this money yeah, from? Yeah, she would clean houses. Um and any money she had, she would spend on Chinese food, on the movies. But again, she was living with her parents, mm-hmm. right? Who mm-hmm. were providing most of the, you know, the stability and, and everything you need for a household. Uh, fast forward to my mom going to high school. My mom, from what I've gathered, didn't have any um, financial education not even financial education life education like wasn't given any tools to help her develop or help her um know that you know an education is important or you know the education ties into how much you earn later in life so my mother was overwhelmed in ninth grade she was so overwhelmed going to high school that she dropped out like she hid under a stairwell a, a staircase um in ninth grade wow uh, they eventually found her, and she just dropped out of school because she couldn't handle the the overwhelming, you know, feeling she had from being at a high school with all these kids and all this commotion. It was just too much for her to take, so she she cut out, and that was the extent of her formal education. It was fight or flight. Yes, that's so. That really sums up your mother right there. So yes. her formative years, all the way up to ninth grade, which is young adulthood is basically survival and being seen and trying to keep... She was treading water is what she was doing. 
yes, I think my my mother's entire life actually has been survival. Yes, but yes, we can get into more of that. So let's talk about your father then. So you have your mother growing up, yep. born in nineteen forty six, forty five, forty five, yep. and that's at the end of the war. However, your father introducing my father, who was born in nineteen seventeen. So just before the end of World War One, big age gap there—a twenty-seven-year age gap. Not surprisingly, because my mother was most likely—I'm inferring this—you know, looking for a a strong male kind of father figure, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, her her male father figure growing up was her grandfather. Yes. So oftentimes, if you're if you're recreating your family dynamics, you know, my dad fit the mold. My mother, you know, after the high school debacle a few years later, she was married to, you know, a close a close family friend, I guess, that was in and out of their lives. Uh, both about the same age, had children young, you know, and then obviously, you know, that's not working out because no one's educated. No one has a, a good job. No one, it's, it's just a very stressful situation. So your mother marries... Meets this guy, marries him, has children with him. Not you. She didn't have Correct. children with this guy. So, yes. But what was he like? Describe that. So I think they met when she was, I don't know, she was pretty young. 16, I'm going to say. I think they married at 17 or 18, had children right away. And he was a bit of a party guy? He, I can't remember if he was a party guy, but again, I, I don't really know him. I just know of uh, him. And, and what you've been told. Yes. So, in fact, this, so I have three siblings, three older siblings. I'm the baby. And they're all to her first marriage. So yes. they're all to this first husband. But he was a gambler. He was a gambler. And he had a history of he employment did, He could problems. not hold a job. Right. Um, also, I believe, did not graduate high school. Uh, having children and trying to make their way, that's very difficult, especially when one of them is a gambler and is not working. I think in one year, I, th- I think I said this before, he had 26 jobs, I think, in one wow. in one tax year. Wow. Yes. So what was your mother doing to offset this? Well, my mother was working. She was, yeah. But again, she's working in low-paying jobs because she doesn't even have a high school diploma. So she's working, she's cleaning, right? Yes. She's babysitting, she's doing whatever she can to pay the bills. But they were moving around all the time. They would move from apartment to apartment to apartment to apartment because they just couldn't meet the rent, so they would get kicked out. So even though, and the landlords hated to kick them out because my mother was so immaculate and kept their, you know, their um, property so clean and she would paint it and she, I mean, it was, they would hate to kick them out, but they weren't paying the rent, so they had to go. Well, I think it lasted the majority of a decade. I think it was almost a 10-year thing. Uh, maybe so she was in her late 20s? Late 20s when she, when that relationship, when that marriage was falling apart because, you know, it just, it just couldn't sustain itself with three children at that point, no money, moving all the time. I mean, it was to the point, I don't think with some of my mother's pregnancies... Like she couldn't afford a doctor, so there was no, there was minimal prenatal care, you know. So it's safe to say, neither her first husband nor herself were working toward any type of financial independence. <laughs> See, we're keeping this on track I'm, and focus with the audience. That was not 
That wasn't even in their vocabulary. Exactly. I'm my sure. Point. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, look, that wasn't in a lot of people's vocabularies back then. Right. right? And what I'm saying is it was living moment to moment and living yes. for the now. Yes. Credit, credit, credit. But again. Layaway, credit. People do that now. I, I'm not saying No, that. I know. But my point <laughs> is there is now this almost like awakening of people because, again, we're living longer. Right? Right. So people are saying, I've, I've got to think of the future. Well, and information is so readily available now. There it you was go. not then. Right. So so that marriage fell apart, as you might expect. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yes. And then she meets my father pretty quickly after that. And remember, she had three children and nowhere to go. So she kind of needs a partner to help with living ex- expenses and to raise the children because her you know, soon-to-be ex-husband is not going to be providing any income out after the marriage if he couldn't inside right, the marriage, right? right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> so she meets my father, who was married at the time. He was a maintenance man for a department store downtown. She was an elevator operator in the same department store. So they, you know, spark up this romance. He offers her a ride home. Uh, he was in a, a pretty, you know, I'm not advocating cheating, but, you know, he was in a very very bad marriage himself. So he had two children to his his wife at that time. They were pretty pretty far I don't I don't know how old they were, but they were certainly not little kids anymore, right? Uh she his his wife at the time tried to attack him with a knife. Uh the son, his son got, you know, in the middle and and stopped that. At one point she tried to poison him with rat poison in his sandwich. Well, I, I don't know what the motive was, but this is these were the things that led him to kind of look elsewhere, I guess. But rat poison is, is a good one. Yeah. Knives and rat poison. I Yeah, again, I would need to... Unfortunately, he's passed on at this point, so I can't ask him, but I could probably ask my mom. She probably remembers the specifics of that situation. So, you know, I, I really try to fit the mold of the fire person right of the financial independence you know you know my life is just like everybody else's and and I do this right and I do that right yeah I made a few mistakes along the way but you know what let's just be open and honest <laughs> let's I don't fit the mold of yeah. instead most, of the Brady Bunch or the Adams family I don't fit the mold of the fire movement or the or the FI community <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping a lot of you out there don't either and you can relate. <laughs> so my parents started this blossoming relationship and it was make it or break it time. And he was still in the marriage. My mother's living on her own, trying to support three children uh, in an apartment. And I guess at that point, I was unexpectedly conceived. <laughs> Actually, no. I was not unexpectedly conceived. I was told, well, I was told I was not. <laughs> I, I think I might have just had a light bulb moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you heard it right here, folks. <laughs> I was told I was planned <laughs> and that he wanted a girl. So that, that came to fruition. He was still with rat poison. Yeah, let's call her that. Let's call her that. She's rat poison. <laughs> and my mom was not having that. I mean, she marched right up to their door, pounded on the door, and said, you're coming with me. And he went. Did his wife offer him a sandwich as a fucking <laughs> gift? <laughs> this I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it was my mother, my father, 
myself and my three older siblings. Now I was a baby at that point. Yeah, so they moved out of the out of the city. They moved out of the rental and they purchased themselves a nice 8 by 50 trailer <laughs> uh, in the country. And that's where we settled down. Yeah. This is enlightening. For all of you listening, I'm hoping there's somebody out there right now going, oh yeah, I, I can relate to that. In fact, I can <laughs> beat sure. you on that story. I'll see you rat poison and raise you one. So if you didn't do the math there, it was a 400 square foot trailer with six people. So that's the original tiny house. And I think that's why I've been enamored with the tiny house movement. (laughs) I guess that's the start of, uh, or the foundation of what would eventually become my role models or, you know, as throughout life, as well as financial, you know, relationships, everything like that. So, well, in the next episode, I, I won't have anything near as entertaining as your story. And we want to keep hearing about this because, again, folks, the the whole point of this podcast today in going through those three financial models, the retirement models, is to show that that life gets in the way and and things can affect each one. Not not one size fits all. And it's great that we have the second generation fire movement and financial movement. It doesn't always have to be retire early that tacked on, but... I think it's great that we have that, but we didn't always have that, and I certainly didn't have that. And I certainly did not, but I did not have rat poison in the picture. But via the wonders of the information superhighway, I found you know financial independence and kind of changed course. But I will say I did not fail to disappoint. I made plenty of my own mistakes. And we will be talking about plenty of those in the future, so I can't wait to say this. To be continued. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review. And if you want to read our blog, it's madmoneymonster.com. And we are all over social media at madmoneymonster. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.